0: We are back, folks. Sports in the Motor City in the Mitten State. This is The Detroiter presented by The Second String, hosted by yours truly, Nick Bradley. Woo! There we go. That was pretty good. No no flaws, really. Kind of had a nice rhythm to it. Short but sweet but gets the message across. That felt pretty good. Pretty good intro. I'll take that all day. Welcome back. Hope everybody had a great weekend. It was another glorious weekend of football in the state of Michigan, not counting the team that plays in Detroit. Um, Listen, I mean, it's to the point now. Yeah, I'm still going to come on here and we'll talk about the Lions. We'll talk about maybe some of MCDC's decisions, some of the players, where the team's going, how we're feeling. I mean, week in and week out. Like I said at the beginning of the football season this year, I wanted to start this podcast. I wanted to start doing the Detroiter and, and all that. Because of the Lions, because of football itself. Obviously not just the Lions. There's Michigan, Michigan State. But the Lions are a big part of that. I I plan on, we're still going to do it. Week in, week out. We're going to take the temperature. Um, If anything else, this is just going to be my therapy session. I'm going to come on here and complain, be sad, maybe try to find hope, even though we both know hope doesn't exist when it comes to the Detroit Lions. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get me out of bed every morning related to the Detroit Lions, and hopefully it helps you out a little bit too. That's the It's group therapy, group, not all things are bad, group, there may be some hope, group, let's figure it out if there is hope, group, whatever you want to call it. I still plan on coming on here week in and week out and talking a little bit about the Lions. I can't help it. I can't help it. I probably shouldn't, probably not the best for my health, um, I mean, there's a fucking there's a million people every single week who give me the dude. That's that's your first problem, dude. You're wasting your time watching the Lions. Okay, thanks for the input. But great. I'm obviously gonna watch the Lions if I'm taking the time out of my day to tweet, to make a podcast, to do a TikTok, whatever the case is. If I'm taking the time out of my random Tuesday afternoon to make a TikTok about motor city, Dan Campbell and deciding to go for it on fourth down instead of kicking a field goal. I'm probably past the point of, Oh man, what do you do? Why are you still watching them? I'm probably past that point. People got to realize that if I'm talking about Mel Tucker and Michigan state recruiting on Wednesday at 3 PM, like I'm past the point of, I guess MSU there's everything to care about right now, but like, it, it, any team, anything I may be talking about, I'm past the point of oh, why are you wasting your time with them? Like that's that train left the station when I was like six years old, right? Don't watch the Lions, bro. It, I stay. I kept doing it after we had Joey Harrington. Joey Harrington was the quarterback for for a while in my lifetime. Um, I, I remember sitting and watching those games. Like if I came back after that. If I'm still here on the couch every Sunday after that, uh, we we missed the bus on the whole why are you wasting your time thing. I don't know why I'm wasting my time. All I know is I'm going to waste my time every Sunday of every fall for the rest of my life. That's all I know. I'm not sure why I do it. I'm sure it's probably not healthy for me. I know it doesn't make me happy because the Lions have never once made me happy. Oh, that's not true. They make me sometimes they're, they're be cool, you know good comebacks or whatever the case may be but in the grand scheme they never make me happy I don't I we're past it though like here I am doing a podcast talking about the Lions we're past the stop stop wasting your time watching them. like I'll never understand the people that leave those comments or, or reply and I'm like dude st- like why am I wasting my time I should stop watching them like I appreciate that they're looking out for my health and they're they want me to spend my time in a better, more enjoyable way. I really do appreciate that, but we're so, we're so far past that. We're so far past that. I'm out here making a TikTok talking about why Jared Goff isn't the problem. You think I'm not going to sit down and watch the Owen 4 lions next week. You think that's not going to happen. Come on. I'm talking about Romeo Okwara and Jeff Okuda's torn Achilles in a season that's over in week four. You, you think I'm just out? I'm still taking – like, I'm obviously going to watch. Well, come on. That, we got to have a little bit of awareness for the situation there. I'm doing TikToks. I'm spending my weeks talking and thinking and writing and whatever about the Detroit Lions. Oh, just sit out. Come on. Sit out the game. That's not going to fucking happen. As annoying as they are, as bad as they are, as miserable, whatever negative adjective you can think of, just insert it there. As 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 – much as that may be true, they only play 17 times a year. I love the game of football. I really enjoy watching football. And yeah, like the Pats-Bucks game, that was fun to watch. The Rams-Cardinals game, even though my Rams got fucking annihilated. Fun to watch. I like watching other teams. Football in general, I enjoy watching 100%. But, but nothing, nothing moves the meter like the hometown team. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry if there's Lions fans that don't want to hear that. I don't know why exactly you wouldn't want to hear it, but I'm sorry if you don't. Nothing moves the meter like your favorite team. And that goes for any sport. That goes for the Lions in football, MSU for me, um, in college football. Like, yeah, it's fun to watch Ohio State-Alabama. I'll watch that game 100 times out of 100 for sure. And I'll have a good time watching. But I don't really care. Like, it's whatever. I guess I'll root for OSU, Big Ten. Bama always wins anyway. Like one of those, like, all right, I'd prefer Ohio State to win, but when Alabama beats them, I'm like, okay. So now what? You guys want to go out? You want to hit the bar? Like, I don't care. Okay, great. It was fun to watch. I don't care though. You know what I'm saying? Michigan State, when they when they play, when they win, I'm flying high. When they win, nothing can bring me down. When they win, we don't need to go to the bar. I'll just sit here on the uh, sit here on the couch. We can maybe watch the highlights back, guys. We can watch the highlights back. We can just sit here and think about the game. We could talk about the game. We could talk about the future. Like, oh, are we going to go 6-0? and Are we going to be 7-0? and It just hits different when it's your favorite team. Red Wings, same thing. I care a thousand times more about the Red Wings than any other hockey game. Lions, same thing. As much as I love football and as even though I'll watch any football game presented, I care a hundred times more. And it's when you care, when you genuinely care – Whatever it is becomes more interesting. Whether you're in the stock market and now you have skin in the game, so you genuinely care. More interesting sports gambling—you got money in, you genuinely care, right? Your favorite team—you genuinely care, and that's why I can't quit. That's why I can't quit. Because even though they're zero and four, right? They're zero and zero every Sunday to me. Even though I know, you know what, it's probably kind of a good thing that we're terrible. It's probably kind of a good thing we're going to win two games this year. Yeah, it's going to be nice when we either have a chance to get Kayvon Thibodeau or whoever the highest ranked quarterback is. That's going to be nice for sure. But, but, sue me. I don't know if you would call me a romantic or a... Prisoner of the moment. I'm not really sure the correct way to describe it. Every Sunday, when we're 1 p.m. and the Lions are about to play, I don't care what the record is. I don't care about tanking. I don't care whatever. Oh, we need to lose more games than this team. I don't care about any of that. When Sunday rolls around and the Lions are about to play, and for some unknown to me reason, I've convinced myself, hey, the Lions could win today. Right, like I was just fucking sitting here. (laughs) I was just sitting here last week talking about, well, zero and three is not great, but if you beat the Bears, one and three, you got the Vikings. They're not too good either, two and three, and then you got uh, the Texans. I think three and three. Like, all right, you could be three and three. There's a way where you're three and three, and all of a sudden, you know, you're not necessarily in the driver's seat, but you're three and three. You're five hundred. You got your. You still control your fate, right? There's a way that that exists. There's a way that that happens. And here I was last week talking about like, well, maybe I'm not necessarily saying it's going to happen, but I'm sitting here rationalizing to myself like, yeah, the Lions, (laughs) maybe the season isn't over. Even though we're 0-3 and we just gave away another game, maybe the season isn't over yet. Oh, wow. And now here we are 0-4 and the season is over. By all accounts, the season's over. There's no shot that an 0-4 team, maybe once, but the the odds of an 0-4 team making the playoffs are probably one in fucking a billion. Um, not great for those of the mathematicians at home. Not great odds. But Sunday's gonna come around. I'm gonna see the Vikings. I'm gonna think, you know what, Kirk Cousins like Spartan Dog, he's my guy. But like he's not, I'm not super afraid of Kirk. No offense, Kirk, but that's this that's the truth. I'm not super afraid of Kurt. We could beat these guys. I know we're 0-4, but I like winning. Yay, winning is fun. And I'm going to convince myself maybe there's a chance. I'm going to talk myself into getting excited. I'm going to talk myself up into caring enough that when the Lions inevitably do Lions things, snap the ball into Jared Goff's fucking nutsack when we're at the 10-yard line and he's not paying attention, right? When we don't line up correctly, we line up offsides on a punt twice in a row, twice in a row. We line up offsides on a punt when the lions do lions, things like that, where it feels like no other team in the pros at the college level in fucking high school makes the kind of mistakes the lions make. I'm going to get upset and I'm going to get angry and it's going to fuck with my emotions. And then it's going to be four o'clock and I'm going to be annoyed and just in a shittier mood because I got worked up for the lions game. And of course they let me down again. That's just how it works. That's how I'm, I'm wired. So don't come to me saying, oh, man, how are you even watching them anymore? Like, save the sanity, dude. The, the train left the station on not watching useless Lions teams in the year, like, 2004. Like, we're, we're far, 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 far past those days. Um, the other thing about that, too, is I know I get it. Like, I'm not an idiot. I get, I have, I was making TikToks. I made one the other day, or I think it was yesterday, just after the game, like Lions lose again. This fucking sucks. I hate losing. And people are like, no, this is good. Like first overall pick, this is good. The tank's on, we need to be bad. This is going to help. And I get that. I understand how tanking works. I'm not an idiot. I understand. And people were like, why are you upset? They couldn't understand why I was upset because the Lions just lost to a dog shit Bears team. They couldn't understand why I was upset. And I'm sitting there like, um, well, because the whole point of the game is to win guys. What do you mean? Why am I upset that the Lions lost the whole fucking point of sports? I guess is to have fun, but also to win. That's why I'm upset because we lost to a divisional team. Who's like bad. That's why I'm not happy. Like you got, I don't understand. I'll never understand. I get the tanking thing. I understand that it's necessary. Like, I'm happy the Pistons tanked this past year. Yeah, they got a little lucky, but I'm happy they did it. I'm happy they were unwatchable for 82 games or whatever they played. And guess what? It paid off. They got Cade Cunningham. And now this year, because of that, this year and for the next hopefully like 10 years, because of that, are going to be interesting, are going to be must-watch, are going to be fun and draw people like my attention who haven't cared about the Pistons since I was in grade school, right? Like, it paid off. I understand the value of tanking and that it's necessary, especially when you're in a position like the Pistons have been, you're in a position like all the Detroit teams really have been the last five, six years. I understand. But I can't root – like, I just can't watch a game and sit there going, oh, I hope the Lions lose today. Oh, I hope the Red Wings lose. I'm like, what? That's why. Okay, so why would I watch then? What's the point? What's the point? It's like the people, too, that come, come I, they're not, like, coming after me. They're more, like, questioning why I'm upset. I think they're genuine. Like, they're being cool about it. But the people that are doing the whole, this is good, yay. Are you sitting there watching the game, like, cheering when Justin Fields throws a 50-yard bomb? Like, are you getting excited? When David Montgomery is just slashing through the defense, are you getting off your couch like throwing a fist pump for the fucking Bears? Is that how? Is that what your viewing experience is like? I don't really understand that aspect. I don't understand that aspect. I can't watch my teams. I can't watch the Lions. I can't watch the Red Wings. I can't watch any of my teams sitting there rooting for them to lose. Well, then I wouldn't watch the game. I don't want them to lose. The whole point of playing sports, the whole point of being a fan of sports, the whole point of sports is we want to win. We want to be the best. You want to win every single game you play. You want to win the most games. You want to keep winning games. You never want to lose the last game. Like, what are we talking about here? People are confused why I'm not happy they're tanking. Like, dude, I get that it's necessary. And the tank's going to happen either way. That's the other thing. The tank's going to happen either way. And whether we get the first pick or the fourth pick or the second pick or the sixth pick, like I don't really give a shit. It's no secret the Lions are bad. It's no secret they're going to finish at the bottom of the league. Like we're going to get a top five pick no matter what. I don't really care if we get one or if we have three. Like that doesn't really matter. You're going to get a very good football player regardless. And you know what? Sue me. If the difference between the first overall pick and the fourth overall pick is the Lions win two or three games, okay, fine. Like, I don't mind that. That's fine. That's fine. It's fun to win. It's fun to win. Like, even though you might be the biggest tank fan in the world, which, again, I've said it a million times by now, I get it. But it's fun to win. It's not fun sitting down watching the Lions move the 0-4, getting smacked by a bad Bears team. Like, that's not a fun – I didn't have fun yesterday. I don't think there's any Lions fan that had fun. And if you did, what's wrong with you, right? It's not fun. The Michigan State seasons, obviously they're great this year. We're going to talk about them and Michigan. But the Michigan State seasons, the last few seasons, obviously there's no tanking. They're not getting the first overall pick. But it's not fun watching them go 4-8. and eight. It's not fun. Watching them lose the Red Wings. I probably watched like 40, like at least half their games. I would say last year, they were better. They were competitive. I like watching hockey a lot. It I still had fun watching the Red Wings, but when I had the most fun is when the Red Wings won games, when I had the most fun is when they beat Tampa twice in a row. I think it was like, that's when it's really fun. That's when it's fun. I'm not thinking back to like, Oh, remember when they lost to Florida four to one. Those that's not That wasn't like a fun game to watch. I'm thinking like, oh, they beat Tampa twice in a row. Can you believe that? That was awesome. That was a great little run. It's fun to watch your teams win. And and even though tanking's necessary, like in the Pistons case, they needed Cade, and now it's going to be much more fun because guess what? They're going to win many more games. Even though tanking's necessary, and the Red Wings needed Sider, they needed Raymond, they need Edmondson, all these people. I get it. I get it. At the same time, like I'm going into this Red Wings season. For instance, it's probably best-case scenario for Steve Iserman and this new era winning Stanley Cups. Best-case scenario this season probably is that the Red Wings are the worst team in the NHL and they win the draft lottery and they get Shane Wright. That probably would be the best-case scenario as far as over the next 15 years the, the Red Wings winning the maximum number of Stanley Cups that they can. That's probably the best case. But I'm going to go into this year hoping they win every game. I'm going to go into this year being like, hey, fucking, hopefully Larkin's kind of back. He takes another step. Zadina figures it out. Maybe Raymond's on the team. Valena. Like, I'm going to come in talking about these guys, looking at the new dudes we've added. Nick Letty, Mo Sider's going to be there. And I'm going to be thinking, hey, we became, you could tell last year to the year before the team was more competitive. They got better. I think we become a lot better this year compared to last year's team. It's going to, I'm going to come into the season thinking let's like fucking hang around for a wild card spot. Yeah, I'm aware. I'm aware that being terrible and getting Shane Wright's probably the best thing we could do as far as wanting to win Stanley Cups. But you know what? I want to watch the Red Wings win games. I want to care in the month of March when the Red Wings are playing fucking Dallas or whoever. Like, I want that game to matter. I want to set a fucking alarm and an appointment to watch that game because it weighs heavily on the playoff race. Like, that's where I want to be. I don't want to be sitting there in February. Season's over. Hopefully we get Shane right. I don't want to do that. We've done that five fucking years in a row now and it's the worst. I want to win. Whether it's the Lions, Red Wings, who cares? I want to win. That's I can't. I can never sit down and watch my team and hope that they lose. I'll never understand the people out there that I guess claim that that's what they do. Like the people against the Bears yesterday that are like these Lions fans telling me that they're happy that they lost the game. Are you really? You had fun watching Chicago whoop our ass. That was a good time. You, you four o'clock rolled around and you were fucking all smiles and positive vibes because the Lions got worked by the Bears. I don't know if I believe that. And, yes, it helps. It's good for the future. Now we maybe get our pick between Kayvon Thibodeau or Malik Willis or whoever. But I like to win. I like to see my teams not suck ass. And I like to be happy. That's all. That's all it is. I like to be happy. Sue me. All right. Um, We'll take a quick break. Get into the Lions game a bit more. There are only a couple things. And as the season goes along, I've said this a couple times now, like as – as the season keeps going and we get further and further away from it mattering, I mean, let's be realistic. It's week four and it's already over. Nothing really matters as far as the Lions are concerned anymore. Season's over. It's on to 2022. The only thing that matters now is the draft pick. And I don't know, like maybe DeAndre Swift keeps playing well. Penny Sewell gets his feet wet. Like just the young guys getting more experience. Um, It does suck. Season's over. It's week four. And it's who cares? Doesn't matter anymore. But we'll talk about a couple things. I'm not going to – again, I'm not going to go super in-depth and break everything down play-by-play play because it doesn't matter. Who cares? But we are going to talk a little bit about it. MCDC, choosing to go for it on fourth instead of kicking the field goal with like four or five minutes left. <sighs> Bad decision. I'd like to talk about that. Um, I made a tick to – I mean, like lining up offsides on the punt. Yeah, the game was probably over. Yeah, it was two possessions with like a minute and change. But you're you, you you're lining up offsides at the end of the game when they're going to give like fucking seriously? Seriously? That's the type of shit that it, I don't care if you're less talented. I don't care if Jared Goff's the quarterback. I don't care about any of the personnel, anything. You're not lining up for a fucking punt. At the end of the game, when you desperately need the ball back to have any chance and you're lining up off sides, like that is the shit that fucking drives me crazy. So we'll talk about that, Dan Campbell's decision. Um, And then we'll do a little more on the Red Wings Tigers, just kind of sum it up. I mean, Red Wings Wings watched a little bit of the uh, preseason game against Columbus. Lucas Raymond, dude, he looks fucking sharp. He looks sharp. And then the tiger season's over. So I want to sum up the tigers after that. We'll probably take another break and then we'll do Michigan state, Michigan recapping this weekend. All right, quick break. We'll be back. So I'm on record. I'm on record as an MCDC defender. I like him. I fucking hate When the Joy Taylors of the World, right? Colin Cowherd, Mr. Funny Guy, even our own media. I, I had a the TikTok got cooking a bit, picked up some steam on TikTok and on Instagram. The Detroit media, even, we're four weeks, three weeks in, like turning their back on him. All of that drives me crazy. Um, I've done enough. I mean, last week's episode, listen to last week's episode, I did like half an hour just being angry at Detroit media for being losers and ripping on Dan Campbell, even though it's three weeks into a rebuild. What the fuck did you expect? Check out last week's episodes for that. So I'm on record as defending him. I'm on record as the Lions think, give them time. We'll see what happens. What's the use in being negative and down on them this early, right? I mean, there's no expectation. There's no reason this team should be anything better than dog shit this year anyway. But I think I do after this Bears game. I have my first – complaint in the Dan Campbell era. I really do. Uh, I understand that fourth down, down two possessions, 10 point game. The second half, the lions kind of had the momentum. The offense finally figured out a way to get it in the end zone or at least get points in general. Um, the offense moved the ball most of the day against the Bears. Like, it was pretty good, actually. Between the 20s, the ball moved nicely. They just could not. It was fumbles, fucking snaps when Goff's not paying attention. You name it. They could not figure it out once they got near the end zone. I That fourth down, you got to know. You know. You're down 10 points, so you need the ball twice. You need to score points on this possession, whether it's a touchdown or a field goal. And you're going to have to get the ball back and score another either touchdown or field goal. You know that you have – minimum. At the bare minimum, that's what you have to do. At the bare minimum, you are going to need to get the ball back and get it near the end zone again. At the absolute minimum. Going for it on that fourth down, I appreciate the fact that he's like, fuck it, all or nothing. We got nothing to lose. Let's just – balls of the wall. I can appreciate the aggressive approach and mindset. And I do like, I do like his aggressive approach. Like when it's fourth and one at the, at the 40 of the other team, I like how those he's going for him. I enjoy how most of the season or really all of the season, I should say, he's been aggressive fourth down and one let's go like he's, I get that. I'm with that. Let's do it. We got nothing to lose fourth and one. Fuck it. Let's go in a moment like that though, where a it was like fourth and three, I want to say. So not a super short yardage situation. And a moment like that where if you don't get it, the game's over. Where they are, you have points. You have three points. You can take three points. And if you don't get it, if you go for it and don't get it, the game is over. The Bears win. You hand them the game. Right? You have. You have have to take the points you absolutely have to take the points there if you're Dan Campbell you have to you have to for a couple reasons your offense hasn't finished a drive fucking all night the only reason you're losing is because as soon as you get near the red zone the offense chokes Jared Goff is Jared Goff like it, it'd be one thing if we're going for it. We got Matt Stafford. We're like, hey, Matt, you're a fucking beast. Just make a play. I don't think we're looking at Jared Goff saying, hey, Jared, you're a beast. Make a play. Even and if we are, that should not be the offensive philosophy in that situation at all. And yes, the guy was open. Khalif Raymond was open. And yes, Quintez Cephas was wide open. If you look at the still shot or watch the replay, Quintez Cephas and this is Goff did the same shit against the Ravens last week where it's fourth down, or no, against the Packers a couple weeks ago, fourth down, and he throws, like, the wide side out route, and there's a guy right in the middle of the field, wide fucking open. Quintez Cephas was at the first down marker. I don't think a Chicago Bear was within 15 yards of him. Right in front of Jared Goss' face. Like, literally in front of the center, just five yards down the field, wide open, easy first down. And he threw the the wide side, uh, the far hash out route to Khalif Raymond. Granted, Raymond was open, too, and he threw a dog shit pass, and it was incomplete, and they turned it over on downs, and that was the game. Regardless, sure, maybe you can look at that, or you can look at that and say, all right, well, maybe it was the right call because that guy was open, Quintez was open, like, that's on golf. He's got to make the read, whatever. Fair enough. Regardless, though, I don't care if our quarterbacks fucking prime Tom Brady. You take the points there. You're going to have to bring the ball back down the field and get into that same position again. You have to take the points. That's football 101. That's what bothers me about it. It's not like that, to me at least, that wasn't like a, all right, judgment call, like everybody's got their preferences. That was a every single time you're ever in that position, you kick the field goal. Every single time you're ever in that position, you kick the field goal. It's not even a second thought. Not even a conversation like, boom. oh, fourth and over one. We need two possessions. There's like four minutes on the clock. Okay, field goal. Boom. Every single time. That I, the TikTok I made too. that, like, that's what I have a problem with. I can lose. I can live with losing with Jared Goff, just missing throws. Cause he's Jared Goff. I can lose because Alex Anzalone is getting roasted by the other team's tight end. I can lose with our cornerbacks just getting fried all game. I can lose with Justin Fields looking like Pat Mahomes, right? I can lose with all of those things. Yes, I'd like to win still. Yeah, I'm going to be upset, but I I can bear that. I understand. Okay, Jared Goff could have won the game, but he can't complete a seven-yard out. Fine, that's kind of the part of the deal when you bring Jared Goff in to be your quarterback. That's kind of the deal, right? That's fine. That's not Dan Campbell's fault. That's not the decision-making, the brain trust's fault. I have a hard time losing when it is the brain trust's fault, when Dan Campbell is going for it there, when every fucking rule and I don't even know, just class, anybody, you kick the field goal there. That's what I have a problem with. Dan Campbell – made a decision that cost us the game. Jared Goff's throw, Jared Goff's throw, sure, he should have made the throw, but Jared Goff's throw isn't the reason that that game ended on that drive. Jared Goff should never have been asked to make that throw because Seibert should have been out there booting that thing through the uprights. And then later in the game, like I said, the game was over, but it's fourth and three. You're going to get the ball back. Yes, it's a two possession game. There's only like a minute left. It's not looking great anyways, but like just the principle, you can't. They, we line up offsides. You could tell Chicago, I think, took a timeout and the dude was lined up offsides on the punt, came out of the timeout and he lined up offsides on the punt again. And they snapped at that time and they fucking called the offsides and the Bears needed out and ended the game. Yes, the game was probably over. Yes, getting the ball back off that punt wasn't going to change anything. But it's like situations like that. Like, what if that was a one possession game? What if we're down three? Or what if we were down seven there? Then you do have a chance. And you can't even line up on sides on a fucking punt. And this isn't necessarily directly Dan Campbell. Obviously, he's not the one that was in the four-point stance ready to get after it. He's not the one on the field. He's not the one that can't fucking tell that half his body is across the line of scrimmage. But it's things like that that are Dan Campbell's responsibility to make sure never happen. Like, that should never happen. I don't care. On a high school team, that play, fourth down, end of the game, you desperately need the ball back, and you're lining up offsides on a punt. My high school, down the road, would never let that happen. Would never let that happen. I know Dan Campbell isn't the one that lined up offsides, but Dan Campbell, if that guy – that guy should never – that guy should just be cut, whoever he was. I don't know who it was. Okay, you're on the team to play special teams, and in a crucial moment – Thank God it wasn't a one possession game. Thank God that wasn't actually that crucial of a moment because the game was already over. But in that situation, you can't even line up on the right side of the ball, buddy. Cut his ass. You're a special teams player and you're doing shit like that. Like, okay, go then. You can't even, you're not even paying enough attention You're not invested enough. You're not focused enough to line up on the right side of the ball on a punt. That's what I have a problem with. And it falls on Dan. It falls on Dan. Yeah, he wasn't the one lined up, but he's the one that's supposed to make sure the guy lining up there isn't fucking brain dead, which apparently he is, and Dan Campbell let him go anyway. The other thing, and this is the last thing we'll say on the Lions today because now I'm getting upset, when it comes to that Dan Campbell decision to go for it on the fourth down, I don't know. Maybe there's analytics that say you go for it there. Um, maybe, Dan, I don't really – like there's no explanation as to why you would go for it there. I have no idea. Maybe they thought they had the perfect play drawn up. Whatever. There's really – I can't think of a single explanation where it's like this points to why you should go for it there because, like I said, you miss it, game over. You get the field goal, okay, get a stop, and you get the ball back, you're still alive. No clue why they did or why he would ever go for it there. But the fact, the thing that another thing that worries me, a, obviously the fact that Dan made that decision in the first place, but B the fact that nobody on the sideline was like, Hey Dan, this is, this is a fucking horrible idea. Dan, like no one in the headset was like, Whoa, 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 Dan, Dan, (laughs) this is the kind of shit that gets you fired, buddy. This is a terrible choice. No one said anything, and maybe they did, and Dan overruled them. I'll never know, but I pray to God someone did. Like Anthony Lynn, is he listening? Are you listening? Because I pray you were like, no, kick it, kick it, kick it, kick it. This is Football 101. Kick it, kick it. You will be crucified if you don't get it. Kick it, kick it, kick it. I don't know if there were people in his ear. I pray that there were, but the fact that he still went through with it makes me think – the rest of the staff wasn't like, this is fucking stupid, which makes me think either they're yes men or they may be idiots too. (sighs) That makes me a little nervous. I got to be honest with you. That makes me a little nervous. Like I said, I can live with losing games because Jared Goff can't complete three yard outs. I can live with that. I can't live with losing games because Dan Campbell doesn't understand that he absolutely 100% needs to kick the field goal there. I can't and we're 0 and 4 and it doesn't matter and the season's over, so not high stakes. But I don't know if two years from now that is a high stakes game, you can't lose a game or or not even lose the game necessarily, but you can't take away the opportunity to maybe tie it because you're just making boneheaded fucking decisions. Like if that was a game that mattered and now it's over because you went for it there, then we have fucking problems. Then we have problems. I'm still team Dan Campbell. I still like him. I'm still happy he's here. I still have the faith in him. Long process, all that good stuff. Today, or I mean not today. Yesterday, though, that call, that decision, first time I've had like red flags where I'm like, uh oh. That's not good. That that's a that's something that a bad coach would do. That's the first time it's happened. I don't want that to happen. Like, we can lose the games off talent. I don't want me to be looking back at games thinking, "Uh uh-oh, our coach did something really fucking stupid. Can't have that. Cannot have that. Quick break, little Red Wings, little Tigers. So, like I said, watched a bit of the Red Wings preseason game game against Columbus on Saturday. Watched the highlights. I I don't want to spend a ton of time on the Red Wings. Today, because we'll get into that um later this week. We'll, well, no, we'll get into that next week because the season's right around the corner. What the fuck am I talking about? So I don't want to spend a ton of time. But I'll tell you this: the one thing I do need to mention, Jeff Blashill. I think it was last week gave the quote. Oh my! If my wife can't tell he's the best player on the ice, then he won't make the team. Something fucking stupid about Lucas Raymond. Which, by the way, I pray to God Steve Eiserman isn't dumb enough to let Jeff Blashill be the one to make those decisions, like, please tell me it's Steve. Please tell me Steve's not like, well, you know what, Jeff? You're there every day. You're the one coaching him. Whatever you think as far as him making the team. Please don't tell me that's the case. Please tell me Steve's going to go, hey, Jeff, I don't know what your wife said. I don't give a fuck what your wife said. Lucas Raymond, he will be on the team opening night. I just... Whether he's on the team or not, I just pray it's Steve Iserman that's like fucking I'll make the call. Like your wife and you can say whatever – give whatever stupid quote you want, Jeff. I make the call. I'm Steve Iserman. I really hope that's the case. But I'll tell you, they're projecting him to be in Grand Rapids. I mean I I still am of the camp too that I'd be surprised if he's with the Red Wings opening night. He looked fucking filthy. He looked – Filthy in that preseason game. And it's the preseason. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Maybe Columbus didn't have their best guys out. I know Werensky didn't play. He looked nasty. That line, him, Larkin, and Zadina was pumping out scoring chances. I think they I think Larkin had two. So the the line combined for two goals. Um, I think they could have probably combined for like four. Raymond had a couple unbelievable chances. He set Zadina up. On some unbelievable chances, Valeno was getting some good looks. I sincerely, sincerely, sincerely hope, like whatever, pre, like notions, preconceived notions they came into the preseason with in camp about Raymond. I hope that they're now like, oh, whoa, well, this kid's fucking better than we thought, because that's what that's that was my first reaction. I'm not expecting he's he turns 19 in March. This kid's 18. I didn't expect him, and coming off an injury, I didn't expect him to come over and play in these preseason games and fucking light it up. I was like, all right, I hope he's just kind of like looks comfortable and holds his own, right? And you, I turn on the the highlights, and the first thing I notice is, oh, so this guy's just running the power play. <laughs> this kid's just running the show on the power play. Back, just two beauty cross seam passes to Dylan Larkin to set up goals. And another he had a couple other dishes. He had the one to Zadina. He was underneath the net, put it right out front to Zadina. Zadina ripped it. beauty chance. And then another off the face of where Zadina fed him and he just let one fly. Like he was making plays. He was making offense. He was, I don't know, maybe not the best player on the ice because Larkin had a couple filthy goals, but he was noticeable. Like I watching the highlights, I mean that line was noticeable. The Larkin, Zadina Raymond line, all of them. It was like, holy shit. It feels like these guys, every fucking time they're on the ice, they almost score. Um, He was noticeable. Some of the plays he made, some of the passes he made. Because we know he's a sniper. We know he's a sniper. We know if you give him space, he's going to walk down Broadway and pick a corner. We know that's why he's supposed to be great. That's why we brought him in. And he will score goals, which is awesome. But I'll tell you this. Some of the plays he was making and setting up, especially on the power play, that we all know has struggled so mightily for so very long, it was like eye opening. Like some of those crossing passes where he's coming down the right side, right, looking like he wants to shoot. You don't know, and he just makes the no look pass across the ice to Larkin. Nobody's done that fucking since Pavel Datsuk and Henrik Zetterberg were playing here. When's the last time you remember someone doing that? It's either kick it back to the point, shoot it, or just hang on to it. There is no crossing pass where everybody on the ice has to move and readjust, and now they're out of position, and now Larkin can pass it again to Valeno, and he taps it in in front. There is no crossing pass where Larkin has so much space, and Raymond's a dangerous shooter. He draws the attention, so now Larkin has so much space, he can step into it and just rattle one off the post. like That didn't happen and now Lucas Raymond I don't care if he's 18, 19, 16, 14 I don't give a fuck what like how old he is you put him on the ice you're putting him with our best players Zadina and Larkin are going to be some of our best forwards you're putting him with them and he's the one running the power play like you think it'd be or uh, you think it'd be Dylan Larkin running up the half wall like making the decision do I pass do I shoot who do I pass to no they're like hey 18 year hey kid why don't you take this? Like you're better at it than everybody else we got, so why don't you do it? And we're still talking about he's got to be the best player on the ice, noticeably better than everyone to make the team. I don't know. I I don't know about that. Lucas Raymond looked real good. He if if he's not on the team at this point, a couple things I think it's probably a little bit of the Red Wings like I mentioned earlier talking about tanking. Probably sitting at sitting there looking at it like, "Hey, maybe we fucking wanna be bad. Maybe we don't necessarily want to play all of our best players this year. Like, let's fucking take take the chance. Let's throw the dart at the dartboard see if we can hit Shane right." I, I it, that would be the only logical explanation. I mean, you put them on the front on the top line with two of the best players on the team. And he's producing. Not only is he producing, he's setting Dylan Larkin up. He's getting Phil Zadino A-plus scoring chances. He's running the show. He's the maestro. That that is what opened my eyes. It'd be one thing if he's sitting in the slot waiting to tee up one-timers and Larkin's fucking making the puppets dance. No. Luke Raymond. He's the one making the puppets dance. And Dylan Larkin's the one like, hey, I'm going to just stand here. This kid's sick. He's going to give me the puck, and then I'll we'll see if I can score at that point. I think I, they better give some serious consideration. I really hope he does make the team. But we'll see. We'll talk about it more, I'm sure, as the season draws more near. I think we had 11 days until opening night. So the week before, we'll do an episode where it's heavy, heavy Red Wings. Um, another thing, the Tiger season ended. Don't know if they. I don't think they finished. I don't think they got to 500. Better season than they than expected. Um, I was in it. I was in it. They went on that streak to start off the second half. I was following. I was in it. Like maybe you never know. I'll, I'll say a couple things. And again, I don't want to spend a ton of time on the Tigers either. Two things: a refreshing to have a team, a Tigers team, where you did feel like any game. I don't care if it was the White Sox. I don't care if it was the Yankees. doesn't matter. Any game they play on any night, they could win, especially at home. They won like five games, I swear to God, at home last year. Anytime you went to Comerica, you could chalk it up as an L. It was nice to have a team that any day you turn them on, it's like, hey, they could win the day. The bats will make something happen. If Miser Scoobler on the mound, then we're for sure cooking with gas. Um, seeing the young pitchers play pretty well, obviously towards the end, they both kind of got phased out with the inning limits, which is fine. No need to burn their arms up in these meaningless seasons. Mize looked good. Mize looked better. Scooble looked good. And it, here's the thing too, that, that really juices me up. You get both of those guys, another off season. I think they both Scooble, especially looked far better this year than he did last year. You get those guys, another off season, working with Chris Fetter, fixing whatever they got to work on. Next year, those two, we might be cooking with a one-two punch of any given night they pitch, you should win the game. Like, we might be – and then Turnbull comes back. Matthew Boyd was better this year. Those got Matt Manning, I thought, had some promising starts. Obviously, this was his debut year. He's got more time now, another offseason for him, working with Chris Fetter. Who knows if they go out and try to sign someone. I think you combine the fact that we could have two they-should-get-you-a-win starters with guys like Akil Badu, right? Candelario. Grossman was solid. Grossman was real nice. And now it's Torkelson's going to be here next year. Riley Green's going to be in the lineup next year. Carlos Correa is on the market. This is going to be a fun offseason, I think. I think Al Avila will spend – I mean, Chris Illich, I'm sorry. I think he will spend – I don't know how you look at the team. Chris Castellani said it very well. Um, I don't know how you look at the team. You look at the improvement. You just look at the way they played and the mentality A.J. Hinch brought to Detroit and especially the fact that A.J. Hinch, you can tell he's a guy. His whole thing is win the game today. You can win the game today. We can win the game today. He obviously is fucking – focused on winning. He's focused on molding these guys, Torkelson, Candelaria, Badu whoever, into winning players, convincing them to, to convince themselves that they think they can win. I don't think he's going to settle for a, for an organization or a spot where, hey, this offseason, you're about to bring in two guys in Torkelson and Green who, yeah, maybe they'll struggle a bit next year in their rookie season, but you're about to bring in two guys who are going to be very good baseball players in Detroit. Right? You already were a competitive team this year. You're going to bring in two game changers, hopefully, into the lineup, and you got a chance to add a third, maybe even a fourth. I think, and again, you're the Tigers. You've been bad the past five, six years. You haven't spent a dime if you're Chris Illich. The biggest contract they've given is fucking scope at like $9 million a year or whatever it was. It's time to pay. You've saved, you've saved the money, right? You've bankrolled some cash. It's time. It's time. If you're Chris Illich, I don't know how you could possibly look at the setup you have. You look at the change and how the team played and just the mentality they brought every day. But also the fact that you're bringing two homegrown young guns who are going to help this team. And you haven't spent a dime in five or six years. It's time. This is Detroit. Maybe it's not the Yankees. Maybe we're not the Cubs. Maybe we're not the Red Sox. This is Detroit, though. Mean something here. Baseball means something. The Tigers are a brand. The Tigers are one of those old school, like baseball towns. You get them good. You start winning games. You make pennant races interesting. People start showing up. People care. This is Detroit. It's an old school, one of the OG baseball towns. Like when I think of of Chicago, I think of Boston, I think of New York, I think of Detroit. As one of the old school baseball matters here at towns. If you're Chris Hillage, it's time. All right, quick break. Um, and we'll dive into the MSU and Michigan games this weekend. A couple big wins, and it's fun, dude. It's fun living in Michigan right now. My Michigan friends are happy, my state friends are happy. <laughs> Everyone's happy. It's a good time. I'm excited. This this game on October 30th, every week that goes by, it's more like every day. That goes by him more like, oh man, these guys are gonna be, this is gonna be like four versus six. We're both gonna be seven and oh. This is gonna be like the Big Ten championship. Getting gassed up. Quick break. We'll talk some college football. What a weekend in the state of Michigan. Once again, both in-state teams, the Wolverines, the Dogs, the Spartan Dogs. Both teams get it done. Ah. This is this is something else this season. It really is. I wrote a blog about it today, and I just woke up thinking about it. Again, I'm Michigan State guy where I'm going to start with MSU. But again, I've said it a thousand times too. Both of these seasons, Michigan, Michigan State's very, very similar just from the narrative before the season, the expectations before the season, and the fact that both of them to this point have exceeded those expectations – and now, all of a sudden, I think both teams, both fan bases, a little bit are looking around like, "Oh my! Like what? We're we're five and out. We're ranked. We're ranked nine. We're ranked eleven. What's going on here?" Right? Um, sure, Michigan State. A little bit. You know, the expectations a little lower than Michigan's. But same thing. I don't think anybody came into this season, whether you're the biggest Michigan optimist or not. I don't think anyone really came into this year looking at it going. Yeah, Michigan will probably be undefeated up until you know week six, week seven, whatever. No, I don't think Michigan fans came into it saying, Yeah, what week do you think we hit the top ten? No, I don't think I don't think Michigan fans would have told you, yeah, you're gonna get through Washington and you're gonna get through Wisconsin. Undefeated. I don't think I don't think a Michigan fan would have said, Yeah, we win both of those games, to be honest with you. Just based on the trajectory of where the program was going based off last season, based off nothing really is changing. I mean, Cade's still the QB, right? Like, no one new, no big new toy, no shiny new toys coming in. Nothing had really changed. Um, and here we are. Michigan's 5-0. and They're ranked ninth. They have everything they want ahead of them. Now you're looking at the program if you're a Michigan fan, if you're in the program, whatever. You're probably thinking, oh, shit, we're going to win the Big Ten. Why wouldn't you be thinking that? I don't know how you couldn't be thinking that. Oh, shit, we're undefeated. Well, we're going to be undefeated when we play Michigan State. We're going to be undefeated when we play Ohio State. We're going to win the Big Ten. That's got to be the mentality at U of M right now. They got another tough one this week on the road against Nebraska night game. Nebraska's kind of started to figure it out. They stumbled, obviously, week one against Illinois. But since then, Nebraska's been pretty good. Kept it close against Oklahoma. Probably should have beaten Michigan State last week. Um, And then this week, they fucking curb-stomped Northwestern, beat them by like 50. That's going to be a tough game too. But Michigan, they keep finding ways. And again, again, very similar to MSU. They found ways to win. Um, Yeah, they killed Wisconsin. They dominated Wisconsin. Yeah, they murdered Northern Illinois the week before Rutgers. Sure, they've had some very impressive wins. But again, similar like that Rutgers game last week, just kind of figured it out. Didn't play great. Start like the first time we'd seen this year where it's like, oh, maybe, maybe, maybe Michigan's actually not great. Still figured it out. Bounce back the next week on the road, hostile environment. Say what you will about Wisconsin. I understand they're one and three. I understand they couldn't pick up a first down if the program depended on it. I get that. But hey, Camp Randall, that's not an easy place to play. Wisconsin is still Wisconsin. Like that, at some point, the the continuity and just what they've done for years there has to count for something. So I got to watch the Michigan game this week, unlike last week. And I got to say, what really impressed me the most about the game, about Michigan, obviously, like I mentioned, tough environment, Camp Randall, Wisconsin's Wisconsin. What really impressed me was just the dominance in terms of, like the physical dominance. Like Wisconsin, it's one thing if you can't really move the ball because the scheme kind of sucks. Maybe your quarterback, Graham Mertz, isn't great, whatever. But at the same time, it's Wisconsin they still recruit at a high level yeah it's not Ohio State but like the guys playing on, o- on Wisconsin's offensive line their running backs their wide receivers like those aren't bums those are those are good athletes those are good football players you shouldn't be able to dominate those guys especially at a place like Wisconsin where it feels like the entire program and all the momentum they've gained in the last whatever five years or so is based around having an offensive line that moves people and running the ball and having a defensive line and front seven that doesn't allow you to run the ball and gets after your quarterback. Michigan looked like they were on another level. It looked like they were playing a group of five team. It looked like they were playing Western again, where it's like, hey, you know what? Our guys are just way better than yours, and that's going to kind of be the tale of the game. That's what it looked like against Wisconsin. I mean, Michigan kind of did whatever they wanted. Anytime they got in a third and short or a fourth and short and Harbaugh was being aggressive with the fourth downs, they got it. Like, it it never really was a question. It was just, yep, dive right up the middle, fucking easy four yards, first down. Like, they just outgunned and outmatched Wisconsin. I didn't expect to see Wisconsin out there fucking lighting it up, Graham Mertz putting on a show. I didn't expect that by any means. I didn't expect Michigan to just say, hey, we're gonna run it fucking right up the middle. Um, and we're gonna get six yards and that's it. And you can't we're gonna do it 50 more times and you'll never stop it. That's what impressed me. Michigan dominated them. I don't think Wisconsin should ever be dominated. I'm surprised that they do ever get dominated, and Michigan dominated them. That's what it was. You can say whatever you want. And here's the thing. I talked about this last week coming into the game. You can say whatever you want about Wisconsin being bad, right? About their offense being just fucking gross to watch. I mean, their offense is so bad. It reminded me of the Michigan State teams. It was so bad to watch. Kind of feel bad for Wisconsin fans. But and, listen, people are going to come out and say, oh, Wisconsin stinks, especially state fans, Ohio State fans, Michigan haters, whatever. They're going to come out and say, oh, Wisconsin stinks. That's not a big game. Beat someone real. Michigan hasn't beaten anyone. They shouldn't be ranked ninth. We shouldn't be hyping up Michigan. They haven't beaten anyone. No, they stink. Listen, Wisconsin's lost to Penn State. Um, Was it – who's the other team? Notre Dame, who stinks. They lost to Cincy. And now Michigan. It's not like they're losing to schlubs. You throw Wisconsin in the ACC, they're probably four and zero, right? Like they're not losing to nobodies. They're losing to big time schools, big time programs, programs that are fucking there to play football. And I know it's fine. Yeah, they're one and three. People are going to give the yeah Harbaugh still hasn't won the big one. Whatever, they're going to dig at Michigan. Oh, that's not a big win. That's a big win, no matter what, how you cut the cake. It's a Big Ten game, first and foremost. Secondly, you're on the road at Camp Randall, one of the more rowdy stadiums, one of the more rowdy places to play in the Big Ten, I would say, especially when Michigan comes to town. When the Michigans, when the Penn States, when the Ohio States, Michigan State during that run of when they were the 2010 to 2015 – like when these teams come to town, it'll be Michigan State and Rutgers this weekend. When these big-time teams come to town, when they got the number by their name, when their fans are going crazy on Twitter, when we're talking about, uh-oh, Heisman or, or Big Ten, whatever, I don't care who, where you're going. You're going to hear the loudest environment that that stadium produces all season, right? Wisconsin, I don't care. They know they're one and two. They know, all right, the dreams are probably gone. They don't give a fuck. It's Michigan. They want to beat Michigan. The stadium's going to be loud. And still, it's Wisconsin. That's a big win. I don't know how else to put it to you. I get that they're one and three, but I don't care. That's Wisconsin. That's a good win. That's a good win. And if you look around the Big Ten this year, especially in the Big Ten East, any win is a good win. Rutgers last or two weeks ago or no it was, yeah two weeks ago now last week whatever for Michigan like that's a good win Nebraska last week for Michigan State that's a good win these are good teams like they're gonna give you a hard time you're not playing this like the days of Rutgers and Maryland and Purdue just being all right we're gonna show up so you can beat us by 40 that's not really that doesn't happen that's not happening. The Big Ten—they're almost mirroring the basketball, where it's any—I don't care who you're playing, I don't care if it's home away, doesn't matter. You're playing a conference game—that's a big game. That's going to be a tough game, and if you win the game, that's a—that's a nice win. That's how—that's where football's going now. Like Rutgers this week, Michigan State three years ago—you're you're going to New Jersey to play Rutgers at noon. Who gives a fuck? You're going into that game, so we're going to beat them by 30. We'll be out of there. Nobody's going to be at that game. Nobody cares about that game. It's Rutgers. Who cares? Now we're going in. I'm a little nervous. That Vedral guy fucking cooked us last year. He's got experience. They got some returning guys. I mean, they shit on us last year in general, right? Shiano's got them believing he's doing his thing. Yes, I think we should beat Rutgers. Yes, I think we'll be favored and, and State should move to 6-0 and and all that. But I'm a little nervous. I mean, look at what Rutgers did to Michigan. If you're the biggest state fan on earth, if you're an Ohio state fan, listen to this, anybody, you can't tell me that you don't think Michigan's a good team right now. Maybe they're not nine worthy. Maybe Michigan state's not 11 worthy. You can't tell me Michigan's not a good team. They play very good defense. Okay. They run the ball and then Cade makes throws when he needs to. He's not fucking Pat Mahomes, but when you need a throw, he'll make a throw. That's good. That's good football. That's a good team. That's a tough team to beat. You got to stop the run, and if you do stop the run, he can still make a few plays, and they are a bitch to score points against. That's a good football team. That's a recipe for winning games. Michigan State, same way. They find ways to score special teams. The offense has been outside of that Nebraska game, which they have a great defense. The offense for State has been explosive this year. Peyton Thorne, Great bounce back week after not looking so sharp against Nebraska. Kenneth Walker with a big game. Jaden Reed with a huge game. They're putting up points in bunches. And then the defense playing one of the more advanced passing attacks state will see this year. They did what they had to do. Yeah, they ended up hanging 31 on us. I mean, that's not great, I would say. But – 16 in the first half, we'll live with that. A lot of what was big about the defense too, a lot of holding them to field goals. Or when they needed to hold them to a field goal, they did, right? And then at the same time, towards the end of the game, when you're up 45-16, 45-24, whatever, when you're up, you got a three-possession cushion, the defense is going to look a little easier to move the ball on. You're going to start saying, all right, play like no big plays, leave them all in front of you. If they want to run seven-yard slants all day, they can run seven-yard slants. That changes it too. When they're scoring points in the fourth quarter because State's up 20-something, that changes too. It's one thing when the defense is getting scored on, when you're calling defense with a mindset that they can't score or they can't score touchdowns. It's another thing when the defense has given up yards and points where it's like – Hey, just kill the just let them pick up some yards, tackle them, let the clock run. Boom, that's all you got to do. Just don't give up an 80-yard touchdown, essentially. It's a lot different. So while, yeah, 31 on paper, it's like, oh, well, that could be better. Even though Western Kentucky does have a real nice passing attack, their QB zappy, very good player. Even though on paper that doesn't look great, you look at it in context, State's defense, pr- pretty good. Pretty good. Like, especially because – I don't know how many more times or how many times we'll see a team like that where it, they're, they just throw it fucking all the time. Their runs are throws, if that makes sense. Like their run game are just throws. Um, they hurry up very quick, like very good hurry up. <laughs> those I can't imagine how gassed those guys on defense were, like the defensive linemen. Pray for them during that game. I don't think we're going to see another team like that. We're there throwing the ball, throwing the ball, throwing the ball, run, throw, run up to the line, throw the ball, get up to the line, throw the ball. I don't think we're going to see that where you can't really sack them because their run game, like I said, is just set, hit, throw, right? I don't know if we'll see another team like that. So to be able to, to do your job, do what needed to be done, play pretty well, if you ask me, against an extremely unorthodox offense, I'll take that. Like, I think state will do better, will fare better. When they play a team like Michigan, where it's like, hey, they're going to line up in an I formation and try to run the fucking halfback dive. And then on second down, they're going to fake the halfback dive and throw it to the tight end at like doing the spider two Y banana. And then on third down, they're going to get in the shotgun and run something weird. like I think state fares better. And it's a lot of comfortability, not just state, but any team you fare better when you're playing an offense where it's, oh, this is what I'm used to. Right? They run the ball on first down, maybe run the ball on second down, and then throw. They're not sprinting up to the line after every play. They huddle. Like, that's what you're used to. I think state does fare better. And the state defense, I think, has been pretty good as a whole this year. Kept MSU in that Nebraska game. And again, another kind of weird, unorthodox type thing where you got uh, Adrian Martinez running everywhere. I mean, that's what killed state. When Nebraska did move the ball, it was just because he's scrambling. Right, They did as good as they could have against him. They kept MSU in that game, gave him a chance to win. Derrick King, Miami, fucking shut him down, made him a throw, made him a passer, and that did not work for Miami. And then Youngstown and Northwestern, the defense played real well. So if I'm looking at State, you can look on paper 31 against Western Kentucky. That's not great. In context, that's fine. That'll do. That'll do. And what's exciting about State, we've never, ever, ever – Ever even in the Rose Bowl year, even in the playoff year, an offense thirty eight points, forty two points, thirty eight points, twenty three against nebraska forty eight for the five games, we've put up thirty eight points or more. That's Michigan state, the guys that were the green with the Spartans, those guys they're putting for th- four of the five games they've scored thirty eight or more. that doesn't that can't be you who no, there's another Michigan state. like that's where I'm at with the offense. And I'm excited. I think this week, not Rutgers makes me a little nervous, especially because they kept it close against Michigan. And like I said, all these Big Ten games, like we got Indiana the week after that, they've kind of underachieved for what they were supposed to be, especially coming off last year. But Indiana, like they make me nervous too. Big Ten game, they got a QB. And similar to Western Kentucky, they kind of run that weird offense where they love throwing like the swing, the swing passes as their run game they love just throwing as their run game that always makes me nervous i feel like when we play indiana their short pass game just always burns us so that and then michigan obviously they're ranked in the top 10 purdue doesn't really make me nervous i suppose <laughs> but even maryland like they've been okay this year obviously ohio state and obviously penn state no game on the schedule is all right show up get a win go home there's not a game left on the schedule like that maybe purdue Maybe Maryland, depending the trajectory they stay on the next couple weeks. But, like, Michigan, dogfight. Indiana, I think, is going to be a dogfight. Rutgers, I think, will be a bit of a dogfight. Penn State, Ohio State, dogfights. Like, you got to keep gutting out these wins. The defense keep doing their thing. The offense keep doing their thing. I do want to say that MSU game, Peyton, big game for him. Obviously, there's the main headlines. Kenneth Walker, 126 yards and three tutties. He's a monster. I mean, he's a monster. I he Just watching him play football, it's like, oh, so he's just better than everybody else? Yeah. Like, it's clear. It's not even a, oh, this guy's pretty good. It's you watch him and it's, oh, he's he's better than everyone. It's not a question. I'm not wondering. I'm not asking my friend. You watch him run it. That touchdown he had where he gets it and it's just a sprint to the corner. And he, like, skip jumps over the guy that dives at his legs and then has another guy draped on him and reaches for the pylon. That play, it's like, oh. Okay. So he's in he's going to play in the NFL. And the guys trying to tackle him aren't. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Jaden Reed. He, now he's he's becoming a guy. Listen, I love Jaden Reed. I think he was a good player last year. He obviously scored. I remember when he scored against Rutgers like the first time he got the ball in his MSU career. You knew he was a good player, and we knew him and Naylor and Mosley, the wide receiving core, was going to be a strength of this team coming in. But he's exceeded expectations, much like Kenneth Walker. People thought, yeah, Ken Walker, he'll be a good player. I don't think anyone thought he'd be doing this, dominating, looking like Saquon Barkley. Jaden Reed, same deal. Yeah, he's athletic. He can make some things happen. He's a good player. Now he's becoming – if you're the other team, like Rutgers is going to come into this game saying, okay, when we punt it, kick it out of bounds. Like they won't, I don't think, won't kick it to Jaden Reed or they're going to go, make sure you kick this like 40. Don't kick it too far. Don't kick it over 40 yards because when he catches it, we got to have like four people very close to him. Don't kick it too far or kick it out of bounds. One of the two. Like the, he's entering an echelon of a guy where when he gets the ball, it's like, uh-oh, everybody's takes notice. This weekend in Piscataway, when Jade, I don't care if it's like a screen, I don't care if it's a 40-yard bomb, I don't care if it's a swing pass, punt return, kick return. This weekend in Piscataway, anytime number 1 in green gets the ball, everybody's going to hold their breath. He's he has undeniably become one of those guys. I mean, he's leading the country in all-purpose yards back-to-back games with punt return touchdowns, it feels like every game he scores on like a 40, 50, 60-yard pass. feels like every game he's got a big one. Obviously, he's had a couple of the flea flickers. This past week, he had the play like a deep out, great throw by Thorne, by the way, where he kind of hit the – it did not look like he was going to score. Hits the hesitation and just fucking see ya, dusted those guys down the sidelines. He had another play. Peyton hit him deep. I think it was in the first quarter as well. It was like a 40 yard deep post. He's just got three. Jaden's going and he's just got three guys behind him in the dust. He's becoming a guy. He's becoming a guy where it's when the when they're looking at the playbook now, like if when we're setting up the game plan, Jay Johnson, Mel Tucker, whoever's involved, the conversation now has to be all right, so we got to get Kenneth Walker the ball at least 20 times. We got to get Jaden Reed the ball at least 10. That's becoming the game. Like it's these two just need to have it the most. That that's it. When they when they get the ball, they take situations where they shouldn't score or they shouldn't get the first down or they shouldn't be able to pick up 10 yards. And they do those things. Jaden Reed, that play. Two guys right there. You should not have scored on that. Fucking down the sideline. Touchdown. Kenneth Walker. Guy hits you in the backfield. You hurdle him. You shouldn't be able to score on that. He scores. Jaden Reed, just a punt, house. First possession, not even a possession. First time MSU touched the ball. He's becoming a guy. He's becoming a guy in special teams. He's becoming a guy in the passing game. He's becoming a guy where it's, you. Ha- if you're Michigan State, you got to give him the ball. And if you're other the other team, you are squeezing your butt sphincters when he touches the ball. He's becoming one of those guys, and it's fun to watch. That's the it's awesome. The state storyline, and I'll talk about that for a bit. Obviously, the storyline of we kind of went from before the season, like, hey, I came on here. I think I said if we go six and six, like, I'd be pretty happy. Like, can we just be competitive? Can we be physical? Do the guys look like they're buying into what Mel Tucker's preaching? Do they want to play hard? Are they improving? Like, does Peyton Thorne look good? Are the young guys improving? Are we laying a foundation? Things like that. That was the expectation. That was the goal. was like, let's win. If we go 4-8, and okay, that's fine. It's a rebuilding year. Like, if that would have happened, if State goes 4-8 and this year, it's kind of a, all right, well, hey, we knew it was a rebuild year. Let's get them next year. I don't think anyone would have complained. Obviously, disappointing and everything. I don't think anyone would have complained about that. I don't think anyone would have been surprised if that had been the case. I came on it. Let's go six and six. I'll I'll, six and six. I'll do a podcast at the end of the year talking about what a success that is. Here we are. All of a sudden we're five and oh, we beat Northwestern. People thought we'd lose that game. We beat Miami. Everyone thought we'd lose that game. We beat. Oh, sorry. Mike just fell over. We beat Nebraska. People thought we'd lose that. Here we are five and oh, ranked 11th in the country. What a fucking turnaround. What a turnaround. I was thinking about that this morning. Like that's, crazy that is crazy if you look back at where we were in the preseason where the fan base heads were at I, who knows i mean it, within the program maybe the guys were thinking fuck that fuck a rebuild we're what i mean we're gonna win every game we play who knows but but where we were supposed to be where this msu team was supposed to be at after week five and where we are it is uh uh Mind boggling change from the prediction. Is there a team that's overachieved more this year? Honest to God, is there a team in America that's overachieved? More? And you know, the funny thing is, I'd say maybe Michigan's the second. Michigan, well, it was like, all right, they're going to go eight and four this year. And then, whatever, another just kind of wasted season where you don't do anything. Michigan ranked nine. They're five and oh, they're beating Wisconsin. Nobody thought they'd win that game preseason. They're beating Washington. People thought they'd lose. Michigan. Are they the second most? Like, are these are the Michigan teams the two more most overachieving teams in the country? Nobody thought MSU would be where they are. And you mix that now. That's a great storyline. That's made this year as fun as it is already. Just the fact that. We came in and it's like, whatever, let's see what we can do. Let's just be like, you know, keep it close, make the games competitive. Like, give me a couple reasons to watch. Like, I don't need winning to be the reason I watch. Just give me a couple reasons, right? And here we are and now I'm watching because are we going to go six? How long can we stay undefeated? Are we going to go to Indy? This and that. That's been an awesome narrative and that's made this season as fun as anything. And at the same time now. Kenneth Walker is emerging as potentially the best running back in the country. I mean, he's got to be top five. I know Bijan Robinson, however, sorry if I mispronounce that, at Texas is sick. Travion Henderson's sick. Blake Corum at Michigan sick. I know there's some other real good running backs. I think Kenneth Walker, if you've watched them play, I got people in my mentions on TikTok like, oh, no, this dude's better, this dude's better, who fucking for sure have not seen him play. If you've seen Kenneth Walker play, he's – Absolutely a top two, top three running back in the conference, but he's got to be like a top five running back in the country. He looks different. He looks on another level. He's leading the country in rush yards. He's got to be in the Heisman race. And now Jaden Reed, all-purpose yards. He's catching long passes every weekend. He's got to be like a little bit in the Heisman talk. Like, I don't know if the Heisman committee, when they get started on drawing it up or when. Kenneth Walker's got to be mentioned. Jaden Reed's got to be mentioned. Like not only is State overachieving with the wins and the way they're playing as a team, now we have two guys that are just lights-out playmakers. When's the last time MSU's had one lights-out? Like Aaron Burbridge, and he wasn't doing what Jaden Reed does. Jaden Reed's fucking, you give it to him on punts, touchdown. You throw it to him, touchdown. He could probably play defense and would score touchdowns. Kenneth Walker can't get tackled by the first guy. Like Aaron Burbridge, maybe freshman year LJ Scott. Like when's the last time we've had a guy like either of these guys where anytime they touch the ball, you're like, uh-oh, what's about to happen? You feel that too. I watched the game at Fieldhouse this past weekend. It can, it's a, State could be at their own 20-yard line, first and 10, and they hand it to Kenneth Walker, and people are like, oh, you can tell. When he gets the ball, people are like, oh, shit, what's about to happen? Even if it's a, and then when it's a fine, maybe it's a run to Simmons. It's like, whatever, throw to or whatever. When Kenneth Walker gets the ball, people are like, uh oh, well, uh oh, is he going to do something? I don't, states like never had a guy like that. As great as Burbage was, as much as I love him, I don't think he was ever like, he gets the ball and it's like, oh shit. He was just Mr. Reliable. Even LJ, he made plays out of nothing and he was real good at making people miss. But same thing, he never hit that level of when he get the, he got the ball. It was like, Oh, look out, look out, look out, look out. He's got, he could turn this three yard gain into 30 at a moment's notice. Kenneth Walker's got that. Jaden Reed now, Jaden Reed now has that. Jaden Reed, if Rutgers has the stones to kick the ball to him, if Indiana, anybody we play the rest of the year, have the balls to kick him, kick it to him on punts or kicks or whatever, he now he's that. Anytime we get like punt return, it's like, oh shit, we might score here. Anytime he touches it, we might score it. Little fade, little out route, little quick flare, whatever. Jaden Reed's got the ball? Uh oh. Uh oh. Hold your breath. State's got two of those guys. State's got two guys that have to be at least mentioned. Their names have to at least be brought up when you talk about the Heisman. At least brought up. And that, that just as much as State being 5 0 and winning games that they maybe shouldn't be or no one thought they would. That as much as the winning to me is what's made this season so fun. Like I get to watch State win a game Saturday, continue, you know, their their quest for winning the Big Ten, continue the undefeated campaign. And I get to watch the best running back in the Big Ten. And I get to watch just an electric receiver who, when he whenever he gets the hands on the ball, might house it. Okay. So it's going to be awesome because. They're a good team anyway, but now it's just ten times more awesome because we have two just fucking Heisman guys. It's unreal what this season has turned into for Michigan State. And again, I said this earlier. Very similar for Michigan, like Corum's an electric factory. They're winning games that are they five and zero. I don't know, if Michigan fans, did you think you'd be five and zero at this point? Like you got, you're looking at the schedule. Like, yeah, why not? We can win that game. When I look at state schedule. Yeah, Rutgers a little nervous. Indiana, they're going to both be tough games. Michigan obviously will be a great game, but even like Ohio, it's let's say we, we're seven and zero. We beat Michigan eight and zero. Let's say we somehow we're, we go into Ohio State weekend and MSU's ten and zero. Where would they be? Eleven and zero? Yeah, they'd be eleven zero, or no, they'd be ten zero. I'm going into that. I know it's Ohio State. I don't care what they're ranked, but I'm going to go into that game obviously as I should. If we're fucking ten zero, I'm going to go into that game with the mindset of dude. I don't care that Ohio State has won the Big Ten the last fucking however many years. I don't care that they've been on another level. We're going to win this game. Why not? I think Michigan fans are of the same mindset. It doesn't matter who you play right now. You're feeling good. The team's playing well. You've had a test. Michigan had Rutgers. State had Nebraska. You've had a test where you didn't play so great and you figured out a way. Why not? Why wouldn't you think you're going to win every game you play right now? Why, If you're a fan of either of these teams, it is a beautiful time to be a fan of Michigan, Michigan State. It's a beautiful fan, beautiful time to be a fan of these college programs. They, they're both only looking up. They're both keeping the ball rolling. I'm excited to see what happens this weekend with both of them, that, that uh, Michigan-Nebraska game. Interesting. That's going to be a crazy atmosphere. Michigan State, Rutgers, especially Rutgers, just got worked by OSU. I think they're going to probably come out like, hey, Let's fucking spoil MSU season. We just got our asses kicked. I don't like how that felt. Let's kick Michigan State's ass. Like Rucker's going to come out with a little bit of venom, I think. I'm excited. It's a great feeling going into every weekend being psyched for Saturday. Obviously, Saturday and the weekends are fun, but it's a great feeling going into every weekend being psyched for Saturday because of MSU and if you're a Michigan fan because of them, because you're a college football team. And it's a great feeling waking up every Monday wanting to talk about the game, wanting to talk about the team, wanting to rewatch the highlights, wanting the next weekend to get there for the next game. It's a great fucking feeling. And especially being a Lions fan, listen, if I didn't have state, if they weren't overachieving like they are, if Mel Tucker wasn't Mel Tucker, I'd be recording this podcast hanging off the side of the Ambassador Bridge because of the Lions. So thank God we have state. All right. That's all I got this week. Um, we're going to earn out this week today. We're going to do the second episode. Obviously we'll have that on Thursday. Looking forward a little bit more to Michigan um, at Rutgers. I mean, Michigan at Nebraska state at Rutgers Lions play the Vikings. I mean, I don't know how much we'll preview that who gives a fuck. And then uh, might talk a little more Red Wings. We'll see. We'll see. That might be a shorter episode, but diving into this coming week, diving into more Michigan, Michigan state state of the program, just how we're feeling. So appreciate everybody who listens. Please follow, subscribe, rate the podcast, leave a review, um, spread the word, tell your friends, whatever, follow on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, at the Detroiter. As always, as always, hope you have a phenomenal week. Hope you had a great day today. Hope you're enjoying this, whatever. I don't know. Hope you're, whatever. Hope you're doing well. Um, Appreciate you guys listening. I'll talk to you again on Thursday.